when the church in the first several centuries, when the church was so aggressive and dynamically, well, they were being martyred right and left mm -hmm. yeah. and persecuted, and the church was thriving. In America, comfort is one of our worst enemies. Welcome to the Built for War podcast. I'm Jimmy Evans. So good to have you. This is a brand new podcast that we're doing, and the purpose of this is to encourage leaders, so, you know, leaders in the church, leaders in the kingdom, and to equip you to succeed in whatever level of leadership that you're in. But Built for War comes from a teaching that I've done for many years at leadership conferences and to leaders. And it's talking about how the church is, you know, losing. We're we're losing the war. And part of the reason we're losing the war is we've forgotten our identity. And every time that Jesus referred to the church, he referred to it in the context of war. An example is in Matthew 16, which was the first mention of the church, he said, you know, you're my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. In other words, he's talking about, you know, you're the church and you're going to be in a war with hell. Uh, when Jesus sent out the first mission in the church in Luke chapter 10, the 70 went out. It wasn't the 12 disciples, it was the 70. He said, I saw Satan, when you were out ministering, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning, and I give you authority over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. When talking about John the Baptist, who was the first man in the New Testament, he says, since the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. See, we're built for war. The church is a gate-taking invasive force. That's who we are. But the church, we've forgotten our identity and we're getting our clocks cleaned. And the churches that are succeeding and the churches that are thriving are the aggressive churches, the churches that are attacking the gates of hell. And we're going to talk about that on this program because it's a very practical thing. When you learn you know, how to be the church and who we really are, you can succeed in every single thing you do. Now, in these podcasts, I'm, I'm joined now by a couple of my closest friends, pastors, uh, veteran pastors who've been pastoring large churches for a long time. We're talking about stuff that matters. We're, we're not talking about pie in the sky kind of stuff. In some of the podcasts that are coming up, we're talking about fear. We're talking about betrayal. We're talking about marriage and family issues. We're talking about homosexuality and the woke issues and all those things like that. These, these are things that we need, to, we need to talk about as leaders, and you need to hear leaders talking about to kind of help, maybe help you formulate uh, what you're going through, but also personally to help you deal with some of the personal issues. And th this is not religious talk. If you want religious talk, you need to go somewhere else. This is going to be real talk from uh, men that have been through a lot. And uh, I've been in ministry for 41 years, and I pastored Trinity Fellowship in Amarillo for 30 years. And when I started pastoring it, it was about 900 people, grew to over 10,000 people, and it wasn't all pretty. I can tell you that right now. There was a lot in there. We grew, and we, you know, we saw a lot of tremendous things happen, and the church is still thriving today. But uh, there, there was a lot in there that we had to endure a lot of attacks that were in there. So we're going to be talking about those kinds of things. And so I hope that this is something that interests you. You'll tell your friends about too, because people in the church world, this is what we need. We need to be able to be ministered to personally, but also to, to be able to talk about issues that are going on and how to address those issues. Well, I'm joined today by two of my closest friends. Uh, one is Pastor Jimmy Witcher, sitting to my immediate left uh, on your right. 
He's the senior pastor of Trinity Fellowship Church in Amarillo, Texas. Now, this is my successor. He's the one who took over after me. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate it very much. <laughs> so he, he had to endure a lot just having to come, come behind me. <laughs> That's not true, but it's but, been awesome. But Trinity is thriving. I yes, mean, sir. It, it, is a, it is a thriving. And, and now when we're saying this, I know some of you may be out there saying, well, I don't, I don't want to hear about how great your church and all this stuff. Believe me, you know, we all go through stuff, and we're going to talk about it on this program. Jimmy, Jimmy came behind me. Jimmy's background was business. He was an elder mm -hmm. in the church. Uh, and how long were you an elder before you became pastor? I think I was an elder for over 15 years before I came on staff. Yeah, and, and so Jimmy was the COO of two very large companies, and he built those companies up, and they sold. Uh, and so the second one – they sold for $100 million or something like that, Merrick or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. More, right. Was it more than that? Well, I, yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. So, it was very successful. So it was very successful. But Jimmy Jimmy came Jimmy came into uh, on Trinity to take my place. And in uh, your gift is leadership, Jimmy. I mean, you're, you're a gifted you. leader. Thank you, Pastor. Well, it's been great. It's such an honor to be here with you and it's such a timely topic. And, and I don't know of anybody better really in the country than you to be addressing this topic because you really have – uh, been through so many different journeys and helped so many pastors uh, all over the country. And so th thank you for doing this. This is a big deal. You're welcome. Well, at some point we'll talk about transition, but I hope every pastor has someone uh, like Jimmy Witcher who he treats me like gold. I mean, he, you, the way you've treated me, Jimmy, I mean, it's a, it's a testament to you, but also to other situations out there where there's transitions of how to treat the old guy. And, <laughs> well, you're very much worth it. <laughs> and Lee Cummings, my dear friend, and Lee, Lee and I have been friends for the well, Radiance, 27 years old. Yeah, 27. I've known you for 28 years. 28 mm. years. And um, senior pastor Radiant Church in Kalamazoo, Michigan, uh, phenomenal church. And I, I, we're going to be oh, there in a few you. weeks with XO. Yeah. Phenomenal church. It's just a thriving church. Um, and you you are a gifted leader, also gifted. Uh, both Thank of you are gifted preachers, but you you have done in in a community uh, of I don't know how many people in your community. I mean, you're about three hundred thousand people in our county. Yeah, yeah. And and your church is you know, huge. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm thankful that you're here, Lee, because you have so much. You're you're kind of a theologian. You have a theological background. <laughs> Some would call me a heretic. Others call me a theologian. But, uh, I, I mean, you're a good theologian. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, some of the first conversations we ever had, I remember you're, we were talking theology and stuff like that. Yeah. But you, you come from that kind of a background. Um, and you started, now you were with Res Life uh, in, in Grand Rapids, yep, Michigan, that's where right. we met. Yeah. And you were what, youth pastor, college pastor? Yeah, I, I was one of the teachers in the Bible school, taught on Wednesday nights, also helped oversee young adults type yeah. of thing when we were sent out. I was 25 when we were yeah. sent and launched Radiant Church in Kalamazoo. And, and so you, that's 27 years old. 27 years ago, this September. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was Coming at your up. 25th anniversary a couple of years yep. ago. But uh, I'm on, I'm a senior elder, I'm the senior elder at Trinity, and I'm on the board of Lee's church. And, uh, and so we're, we're very close. We've known each other forever. And I want these, I wanted these men to join us, uh, and they'll, they'll be with us now every, every podcast. And we're going to be discussing issues. They also, both of them have very large church networks. Uh, there's Trinity Fellowship Association of Churches, Radiant Association of Churches. Yep, Radiant Network. Radiant yep. Network. And both with a lot of <clears throat> churches, a lot of, you know, every size church. But their passion is, and our passion is, to help churches thrive. And when you come alongside churches, I mean, it's, it's such a blessing mm -hmm. to the churches and the pastors because they get, 
they, they get answers. You guys have roundtables, yeah. uh, you know, for pastors to come together and talk through all their problems and things like that. When they're going through stuff, they can call you. Two very, very healthy churches, two great networks to join if, if you're not connected somewhere. And I know we have people uh, watching right now and listening to this, and your senior pastors, your associate pastor, your worship leader, your you know, uh, over the small groups, you're, you know, over the volunteers, or you are a volunteer at church or something like that. This is for everybody. And uh, we're going to be addressing a lot of different topics. Um, in this, in this uh, podcast today, I'm going to, I'm going to tell a story and then let these guys go. Um, we were broke when I became pastor of the church. We were, we had, we were packed, you know, if we were in a tiny building, we were landlocked. The, the fire marshal uh, warned us monthly that he was going to shut us down because someone had um, uh, remodeled the building without a building permit. And they hated us. We were the, our, our people were parking <laughs> in the neighbor's driveways and stuff every weekend. So the neighborhood hated us, and the fire marshal was warning us. I had a knot in my stomach. I mean, it was just a knot. I didn't know what to do. We didn't have money. We, we couldn't even solve our own our problems internally. Mm -hmm. So I was praying one day, and I was just really kind of at my wit's end. And the Lord said, turn to Isaiah 58. I was turned to Isaiah 58, and it's talking about the fast the Lord desires. The, the Jewish people were mistreating each other. And the Lord was saying, don't, don't come to me fasting and trying to get my attention while you're you know, driving these people hard mm -hmm. and you're so cruel to your own people. And he said, here's the fast that I desire, you know, to divide your bread with the, with the hungry, to clothe the, the naked, uh, to undo the band of the yoke and take off the oppression off the people around you. And he says, and if you'll do that, and there are 10 promises there, Mm -hmm. Your light will break forth. You'll be like a well-watered garden. You'll be like an oasis in the desert. You'll be, I mean, your, your healing will speedily spring forth. There's 10 promises there. And so the Lord, um, the Lord said to me, um, I want you to start a mercy ministry. And, uh, and if you'll do that, if you'll reach out to the hurting people in your community, then I'll answer, I'll give you all 10 of those promises there. So we went to the indigent part of town and we, uh, rented the front third of a casket company. It was the it was it was, it was the Texas Coffin Company, and uh, we rented the front third of it, and we had to bring it up to code to be able to open it up to give away clothes and food and things like that. And the 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 mission of Bethesda is called Bethesda Outreach Center. Bethesda means House of Mercy. The mission was to dignify the poor. Mm -hmm. That's that the Lord said. Don't you put a bunch of stuff in a dirty warehouse with a guy with a bad attitude handing it out. When people walk in this door, I want them to know how special they are. Mm -hmm. And I said to the people in our church, I said, I want, we need clothes. Uh, and I said, don't give us your old clothes. Mm -hmm. Don't give us your bad clothes. If you won't wear it, don't give it to us. We had to tell people to stop bringing clothes. And it, our, our clothing area of Bethesda looked like a, looks like a department store to this day. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and we gave away food. We did all kinds of stuff. So we had to, we had to have $50,000 to remodel Bethesda and no bank in town. We only had one bank that would talk to us. And they said, um, yeah, we'll owe you $50,000 if all your elders personally guarantee it. <laughs> we didn't have any, any money. So the elders personally guaranteed it. We borrowed $50,000. We opened. We didn't have any high donors in our church. I mean, we, we, we had a lot of people, but they didn't give. Mm. And, um, and so we opened Bethesda. The day we opened it, we got a check for $10,000. We had never had a check for $10,000. Okay, so we opened Bethesda. First of all, 
first of all, we opened Bethesda, and I thought to myself, I don't know if anybody's going to show up. Mm-hmm. Well, they've been beating the door down for 35 years or however long mm-hmm. it's been out there. I mean, it, I was shocked at how many indigent people there were yeah. that needed yeah. help. And so when, Bethes- when we opened the door of Bethesda, the 10 promises of Isaiah 58, God did every single one of them. We were able to purchase land and build a new building and move from that building. Uh, if, if you could see the building we were in, you wouldn't believe it. It was so mm-hmm. bad. And the building that we have today, how many square feet do we have at Trinity? <clears throat> I think about 260,000, something like yeah, that. Yeah, on, on just in that campus. In that one building. And, yeah. and we have many other campuses. And so um, one of the gates of hell is poverty. Yeah. We start, we're sitting right now in the XO Marriage Building, mm-hmm. okay, which started from Trinity. The, the Lord birthed from a local church, the Lord birthed the largest marriage ministry in the world from Trinity Fellowship, and Trinity Fellowship still supports us, and Trinity right. supports us. And one of the gates is divorce. Mm-hmm. One mm-hmm. of the gates, see Jesus said, you're my church, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against you. What that means is, a gate is a stationary force. A gate is something designed to keep some people in and some people out. Well, in this case, it's designed to keep us out and mm-hmm. hurting people and yeah. po- people in poverty and drug addicts and all these people in. And Jesus is effectively saying, pick your gate. It it can't stand against you, whatever you decide to do. So in other words, the church, we're not, the church right now is designed for spaghetti suppers. We're designed for for (laughs) socials. In other words, we're such a, we're such a wimpy force. Hmm. And and they talk about the church isn't relevant. We're not relevant. If you're not dealing with the gates of hell in your city, you're not relevant. What made, what, what, we got so much respect when we opened Bethesda Outreach Center, because we we got so much respect in our city. Other churches sent their people mm-hmm. to Bethesda. The city itself began to look at us. See, Jimmy Witcher had. A, I want you to tell about the conversation you had with the mayor of Amarillo. Now, this we're talking about being a relevant force, attacking the gates of hell in your city, which means helping hurting people that hell is trying to keep behind those gates. And so we go. We went to Amarillo to the indigent part of Amarillo. You've now opened more facilities mm-hmm. that you're helping the the uh, community of uh, the refugees, the, there. the refugee mm-hmm. community. So, talk about the conversation, Jimmy, you had with the mayor of Amarillo when you were asking what you could do. Yeah, absolutely, and I would love to to share that. But I, I do want to kind of just highlight one thing. Yeah, because what I think where you're going, and even I love this story, and I love the legacy that you and the elders uh, laid in front of us, and and going out and having the faith to go and and go forward with Bethesda. But I, what I hear you saying is, is there's no such thing as a defensive church. That's right. There's, yeah. there's no such thing as That's playing right, defense. We yeah. have to always be on offense. Yeah. And I would say this to even just to encourage some pastors, you know, coming out of COVID, coming out of this season of, you know, wondering if we're going to survive and how we're going to get through it. And then all the other factors, what the enemy wants to do is put us in a defensive position That's right. and think yeah. about, well, how can I grow? How do I, how do I expand? You know, how do I, how do I help my congregation? And we should think about those things. But what you're saying is, I think is so true, is the moment we quit being offensive, there, there's some sort of an anointing we lose in that. That's and, right. and the Lord yeah. will guide us until, until we get to go and, and become offensive. And then as we become offensive, that's when the blessing comes and the, and the yeah, and fulfillment when the, comes. When the 70 went out, that's right. when they were going out, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Now, some people think that that's referring to eternity's past. You know, I don't. I don't either. I, I believe when we're ministering to hurting people, we're displacing demonic authorities in our mm-hmm. communities. I agree. And so when we're going, when we're ministering to poverty, to drugs, to divorce, to whatever, to, to sickness, whatever it might be, 
But we are designed to be a gate take, taking a base of force. And we should be the government's best friend as it relates to we can solve problems they can't solve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The you church know? is meant to be a movement. It's that's not right. meant to be a monument. That's right. You know, when you talk about the gates of hell, that's stationary. That's the enemy trying to keep territory. Right. But he can only keep territory that we cede. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And so, uh, you know, the church is meant to be an offensive movement, moving in the direction, taking back territory. Darkness isn't a force. You know, we oftentimes talk about in the world all the woke stuff and different things, different challenges that culture seems to uh, be magnifying right now. But that's just darkness. The, the Bible right. describes it as darkness. But darkness is not a force. Light is. Mm-hmm. And darkness can only exist in the corners where light refuses to go. Wow. And so as long as the church refuses to be who we're called to be, right. which is to be the light and to be the salt, darkness will win. But as soon as the church begins to move in the direction of where darkness has been camped out at, it has to be dispelled. I love it. That's exactly and, right. And a lot of what's happening right now is that darkness, uh, Lee, is so pervasive and it's so oppressive yeah. and threatening. Yeah. You know, if it's you, intimidating. You, yeah. you better not speak up. Well, yeah. it's the opposite. We, rather than being intimidated by it, we should intimidate it. It's true. You know, is you, you talk back to me, we'll come over there and we'll tear your gates off. Mm-hmm. And and so there's nothing the the power of Jesus Christ, what Jesus is saying, yours my church, those gates, the gates of hell themselves, they cannot stand against you. Yeah. And so when the church in the first several centuries, when the church was so aggressive, and dynamically, well, they were being martyred right and left mm-hmm. yeah. and persecuted, and the church was thriving. In America, comfort is one of our worst enemies. Mm-hmm. Well, that was, that was in the, I'm sorry, I, no, no. I jumped in on your story, Jimmy. No, this you're is good. how we're going to do this things. This is awesome, I guess. Lee. I love but, it. Uh, hey, you, when you really take a look at the early church that was persecuted, <clears throat> it wasn't their physical violence that intimidated the Roman emperor and and all of his armies and his power and his control center. It was the fact that they loved their lives. That's right. They did not love their lives even to the point of death. They right. believed in something so strongly right. they were willing to die for it. Yeah. And that did not compute with the culture around them. Yeah. And I think a church that is afraid is it's just it's a dial tone mm-hmm. to culture. But when the Absolutely. church look when the church is unintimidated, unafraid, I think it was A.W. Tozer who said that what a scared world needs is a fearless church. That's, that's right. right. And that's what we need in this day and age. Well we don't have it. Yeah. And there are there are fearless pastors. Both of you guys are fearless preachers. And uh, you know, we we're talking about Ed Young earlier and who's my dear friend and our we go to fellowship quite a bit. And, and I speak there. Uh, he's a fearless preacher. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll preach yeah. on anything. But um, there, and he, he said this uh, to his congregation, so I'll share it. But Ed was at a pastor's conference, and he was coming home to preach on an anti-woke series. And he was at this pastor's conference. He said he was in the room with about 40 pastors, and everybody was talking about, what do you preach now? And they said, Ed, what do you, what do you preach? And he said, well, actually, I'm going to go home, and I'm preaching the series on anti-woke. And they said, 40 pastors said, don't do that. Don't do that. Huh. I mean, and he, he did such a great job. I was so proud of him. And he and when he started his series, he said, well, you know, they warned me that I would lose church members. He said, I've been losing church members for 35 years. <laughs> if you guys want to leave, go ahead and leave. And he preached this great anti-woke, and you preached it too, Jim, mm-hmm. the anti-woke series. But tell your, tell your st- story about the mayor. Yeah, so when I, when I first came on as uh, an executive pastor, 
I was trying to figure out what did our community need? You know, we were still doing Bethesda. We still do Bethesda to this day, still in the old Texas coffin company, though we own it now instead of having yeah. to lease yeah, it. We own it. <laughs> I think we do about 350,000 meals uh, a year and uh, and still still serve out of that community very well. But uh, I just went to the mayor just to say, what, what does our community need? What, what's what's missing and, and what can we do as a, as a church? And he was, first of all, shocked because he'd never had a pastor come ask him, you know, what can we do? And then he said, you know, where we're struggling is with the refugee community. And I'm like, well, what, what do you mean? And he said, well, in northeast Amarillo, uh, we have a community. It's uh, Eastridge Elementary School, and it's the largest school in our entire region, not just high school. or I mean, it's the largest school. And there's 23 or 27, I can't remember, different dialects that are spoken in that one school wow. because that's where all of the refugees uh, from Amarillo are all that come in and we get just tons of refugees Catholic every single family year. services yeah brings refugees to Amarillo from all over the world all over wow. the world I mean uh, 20 something different countries from the Middle East to Asia Africa I mean just unbelievable the amalgamation of people that wow. come in and so this school is just overrun I mean not only you know we talk about ESL I mean they yeah. they, 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 they don't even think about English because they have so many different languages and there's parents that don't know how to fill out forms and all those things. So we just kind of said, okay, how can we how can we help that school? How can we help them? So we befriended the uh, the principal there and uh, set up. And it, it turns out it's like a mile and a half from our Bethesda Outreach Center. Right. I mean, it's right in the same yeah. same neighborhood. And so we've just been able to partner with that school. In fact, we just the beginning of school this year, we were able to do a backpack drive. I think we had 550 backpacks or something. Mm. And we gave out a backpack to every student that wanted one. You know, free haircuts for everybody that wanted to get back in school. But it's just been an incredible opportunity. You know, people talk about we got to go to the nations. I mean, we, we got 27 That's different right, languages right, right, right here right. in our backyard. Look, we can go to the nations. If right you haven't reached your community, you. stop talking about the nations. That's right. Why, why give away across the world once you're not giving away at, at your back door? Mm -hmm. It drives me crazy. But it, but in Amarillo, I mean, the, the there is not a larger mercy ministry in that area than Bethesda. That I not that I know of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, it's a it's a great example. Well, the the. Um, the courage that is necessary in these days is more than 20 or 30 years ago mm -hmm. because there's not a church on every corner now a lot of churches are shutting down and becoming nightclubs or something else there's a lot of resistance i noticed that there was a a farmer in california that just won a, a lawsuit because they wouldn't let him into the farmer's market i think it was california mm -hmm. because he didn't agree with gay marriage mm. and for six years unbelievable he's been fighting he's been fighting the law for six years to get in the farmer's market and they wouldn't let him in. Well, that ultimately is the Antichrist system. That's right. You know, there, yeah. there's going to, ultimately when the Antichrist comes to power, there's going to be a system where you can't buy or sell unless you conform. See, Revelation 13 talks about the mark of the beast and you can't buy or sell without it. Revelation 14 says, if anyone takes this mark, you will never be forgiven. You'll burn mm -hmm. in hell forever. So it's not just a financial instrument. It is a moral. Uh, it is a moral uh, uh, bowing. Right. Is I'm saying I, I agree with I agree with woke. I agree with all this stuff. You agree with? You have to remember the Antichrist is the lawless one. He's he's an, right. antinomian. He doesn't believe the word. So the word is absolutely under attack. But uh, Paul tells us preach the word. Mm -hmm. Preach the word. Well, a lot of times preaching the word means feeding and encouraging and things yep. like that. Sometimes preaching the word uh, means standing up and talking about very difficult issues that some people don't want to hear about. And uh, and so 
you have to preach it, right? That's absolutely right. And I live, you know, I, I don't live in Texas. I live <laughs> no. in the People's Socialist Republic of Michigan. You can come on down anytime and, you uh, want, brother. So, <laughs> so I, I enjoy every time I come down here and get a little breather. But, uh, you know, we, we've seen these policies put into place yeah. in our state, as mm -hmm. a lot of states have seen that. And, you know, it used to be you thought, well, if you stay out of the cities, and if you just kind of stay in the small suburbs, then you'll your kids will be safe. You won't have to right. deal with these issues. But the reality is now it's statewide education in the state of yep. Michigan. Those standards apply to all school districts to be able to teach on gender identity, gender affirming. Uh, we're a abortion up to the last day of pregnancy or gender affirming state. Uh, they talk about the law they're about to pass. About yeah, they're about to pass. Well, two two main laws in the state of Michigan that have uh, recently. Uh, are on the forefront and it's interesting elections really do have ramifications oh, yeah. so our governor uh was reelected, uh but then in addition to that she claimed both the the senate and the house and the supreme court flipped in the state of michigan so it's got a liberal advantage and our attorney general is an lgbtq activist and so they have made it their agenda to make michigan the most lgbtq plus and whatever other alphabet soup you want to add onto there, affirming state in the union. And so because of that, two laws that are on the forefront, one is called the Elliot Larson Law, and it adds to the existing civil rights uh, law. The, our Supreme Court just affirmed that, you know how it used to say you can't discriminate in hiring based on your on religious faith or on sex. Well, now they've reinterpreted sex to mean gender presentation, sexual orientation, yeah. and there is no religious exemption to that. Hmm. So it used to be churches or religious institutions were protected from that, but now there's not even that safeguard anymore. So now uh, there are at, at least two cases that are right now being pursued in the state of Michigan against a Christian college, I believe, and a Christian school. The second law, and this is even more extreme, is basically it's a law that makes misgendering somebody uh, a felony in the state of Michigan. So if somebody, the way the law reads is if somebody feels intimidated or threatened because you refuse to use their preferred pronouns uh, according to their gender identity, then that is a felony and it can be subject to $10,000 fine, jail time, and being forced to go to a re-education uh, camp. There you go. So that's about ready to be, it hasn't been yet, but it's about to be signed into the law. And so, you know, we're living in that type of a climate mm -hmm. and it, it's not just in the cities, it's... Oh, yeah. It's it's in the small towns and the small schools. My yeah. executive pastor just stood up in front of his school board. And uh, basically, there's books in the libraries and they've got an issue with uh, trans kids wanting to use the opposite uh, bathrooms. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the parents are up in arms, but it's mandated now. And so as leaders, as pastors. To not talk about these That's issues right. is negligence. Absolutely. You're, it is negligence e of the sheep. You're not equipping the people to deal with what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. And and what happens is they become intimidated. Yeah. That's you know, right. Many, and they just they just end up complying to what's going on because their their pastor then or then their leaders don't have enough courage. Well, if it was important, our pastor would talk about it, yeah, right? That's exactly right. And uh, I, I work you know, parents are like, I work 40, 50 hours a week. I come home trying to just put food on the kids. I don't have time to research this. I don't have time to dig. I'm just trying to survive. And yeah. if we don't talk about it, then all they get is what the kids are getting at school or what they're watching on media. Well, I had on my program, on my podcast recently, the Tipping Point podcast had Yaku Boyens, and he deals with sex trafficking. 
uh, it's uh, 90, so he, he was talking about the movie Taken. Mm-hmm. And he said 1% of sex trafficking is kidnapping. They don't do that. It, they're at home. The kids that are being trafficked are mostly still at home. And they're, uh, they, his sister was uh, sex trafficked for six years. And that's how he got into this. And uh, they're on social media. And the, and the groomers, these are, they have groomers. And the groomers are going online and they're masters at manipulating these kids. Mm-hmm. And they're sitting there, their parents aren't paying attention to wow. them, or their parents aren't paying close enough attention to them. Mm-hmm. But, it, but most, of it, most of the trafficking is someone within their familial mm-hmm. uh, environment. Wow. Someone that they know, the, the person that trafficked his sister was one of the family's best friends. And so they, they come in and what he was saying is, if there's ever been a time that parents need to be vigilant, it's right now. That's right. And if yep. there's ever been a time the church, and so yep. he told the story, and Jimmy and I talked about this. He told the story about Upper Room Church in Dallas, a great church, and that's where Yako and his family go, Yaku and his family go. And <clears throat> so they said, would you come in and train our people? And, and he will. Just look it up, Yaku Buyens yep. uh, Ministry, J-A-C-O-B-O-O-Y-E-N. Great, great guy, great ministry. <clears throat> but they equip parents uh, and they equip churches. They have a tremendous amount of information on their website. So uh, Upper Room Church called him and said, would you come in and train us in um, the sex trafficking and all that? Sure. So he went in and trained him on a Monday. Wednesday night, they called him and they said, we've got something happening up here. If you can come up. It was that close? Two days. Yeah, I was I there that, that weekend that that happened. Really? 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 Yeah. Yeah. So they, uh, oh, you spoke for him. Yeah. 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 So he, uh, so on Wednesday night, they called him. He, he, he said, 25 minutes later, I walked in. That a young man standing in the middle of the room with his hands up worshiping, praying for people. People were praying for him. He was a groomer. Mm. And he was acting like a groomer. And so that's why they called. So, so Yako walks up to him and just starts talking to him, asking him questions. Well, the, and so the kid gets nervous because he knows this guy's on to me. So the kid, you know, texts and he walks out the front door of the church and he followed him. Yaku followed him out there. The door opens. The number one sex groomer, the number one sex trafficker in the state of Texas is sitting in the car waiting for this kid at a church. Hmm. And he starts getting in the car and Yaku said, you don't have to get in that car, you know. And the kid turns and says, no, I've got to go. So he gets gets in the car. And this, so what what he was saying is in church youth groups, kids are, they're, 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 they're infiltrating church youth groups. So, and, and again, every pastor, every, every parent, you can't play dumb anymore. That's right. The world is just too dangerous. And they're coming into these kids in their homes. They're not taking them out of the homes. Yeah. In the homes. So I told him a story about a girl we had at Trinity in Amarillo. And um, uh, it was one of our female pastors was um, talking to this girl after church and praying with her. And, uh, and she said, this girl's probably in her late teens, she said, what, what do you do for a living? Or what do you do? And she said, I'm a prostitute. And she said, you're a prostitute? Why do you do that? She said, well, I don't have a choice. And uh, so she said, this guy came in, she was working in a restaurant, this guy came in all the time, they kind of hit off a friendship, started going out a little bit, eating lunches and stuff like that. And then finally she took him home. And the guy met her mother and little brother and got close to them. And this took place for, it, they, they'll take eight to nine months to groom somebody. Mm-hmm. So after about nine months, uh, they went out to eat lunch one day and this guy said to her, he said, now I'm gonna say something to you and you're gonna do everything I tell you to do from now, this one forward. And she said, what? And he said, 
I'm going to have you have sex with men. And the first time you don't, your little brother and mother die. And so I said that to Yaku. He was on, he was on my podcast. And Yaku said, that is exactly what happened to my sister. That she was, wow. she won a, a national singing competition, <clears throat> and the guy that was the guy that was grooming her was a guy that she trusted that mm-hmm. was in the music industry there, and he said to her he he, uh, he actually raped her one day and he said, "You're going to be having sex with me and all these other men, and the first time you don't, I'm going to kill your brother and your mother." And so what he said what what you don't realize what these girls don't realize is they have all the power. Mm-hmm. If they're found out, they're not going to get in trouble. This guy's going to go to prison. Mm-hmm. But there's so much manipulation mm-hmm. and intimidation there. But it's pervasive. And so it's, he said in any zip code in America, including Highland Park in Dallas, Texas, any zip code in the Dallas-Fort Worth Medclix, this is going on all the time. It's a, I can't remember, I think it's a $150 billion a year industry. Yeah, it's huge. And so it's, it's massive. And the church, by and large, is just completely ignorant of it. Yeah. And I was too for a long time. Mm-hmm. But we have to be talking about things that matter. Yeah. We, have, we have to be able to war spiritually. This, That's this, right. this podcast is built for war. We have to get a war mentality, not toward people that we're trying to reach, yeah. but toward the enemy that is unashamed mm-hmm. in his desire to destroy people's lives. Well, the thing that's changed over the last 20 years is this. Oh, yes, that's right. This is, you know, in many homes, uh, I don't know how many smartphones are now in existence, but the average number of 11, 12, 13-year-old kids that have smartphones is oh, astronomical. It's the vast majority. And, and having one of these in the hands of your kids, this might be controversial, but to have this in the hands of your kids unchecked is like going to bed every single night with your front door wide open that's right. and a sign that says, predators welcome, because that's where they're reaching our kids. And so if we're approaching doing ministry, and it's not just kids, it's it's everybody that has one of these things. The world has changed That's since right. 2006 mm-hmm. when the first iPhone came out. The world has radically changed. And if we're still approaching how we're discipling people in our church based on a pre-smartphone right. culture, then, we're, then we're, we're in real trouble. The average age of exposure of children to pornography is eight years old. Because if one child has a smartphone, every child in that other child, because it just takes one bad parent mm-hmm. to give an eight-year-old a smartphone and all of a sudden, all their friends are seeing all this pornography and things like that. And that's shocking. And by the way, there are eight, about 8 billion people in the world. 6.75 billion have a smartphone. Mm-hmm. Not a phone. <laughs> a smartphone. It's unbelievable. And you take it with the children away, that's every adult, mm-hmm. you know, every teenager has a smartphone. And you can get to anything. You can use a Bible app to get to pornography. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's shocking. I don't even think I don't I can't think of anything else there are 6.5 billion what else <laughs> what else on TVs, this planet shoes. <laughs> what else on this planet can you find that much unity around than a smartphone that's, that's right. really uncanny to me Well the, the interesting thing about that is you know in Revelation 11 it talks about the two witnesses get killed by the antichrist and the whole world watches right and they all celebrate and so they're had the the technology you know the, the whole world has to be to watch able to watch the same thing at the same time for Revelation 11 to happen. We have it's the here. whole. Oh, that's easy. It's the, here. The whole world has a smartphone that they can sit there and watch the whole thing at the same yeah. time. So the, we're living, my Tipping Point podcast, um, and, and that's at endtimes.com if you're interested in that. But my Tipping Point podcast is about the end times. We're living in the end times. Mm-hmm. These are our unprecedented times. That's right. And one of the signs of the end times is just the presence of evil, you know, just the pervasiveness <clears throat> of evil. And we're seeing things today that 
I mean, it's, it's unbelievable the, the things that, that are happening uh, in small communities, in rural communities, mm -hmm. in everyday lives, and the, the stuff that people can get their hands on. Well, this the, we're going to kind of wind this down, but let me just say, we're talking in this episode about engaging the enemy and overcoming him by the power and the authority that Jesus has given us. He gave us power, but he also gave us authority. He gave us the badge and he gave us the gun, and they're both absolutely necessary if you're gonna win the battle in your community. And both of you are making a huge difference in your communities, in the nation, and around the world. So what, what are your final thoughts on this topic of being aggressive, uh, getting on the offense, uh, and finding the gates of hell in your community? Well, you know, I would just even echoing kind of some of the things we've been talking about is looking at seeing where are is my congregation, where are the battles that they're facing? Yeah. And am I equipping them to face those battles? Yeah. And, you know, we talk about wokeism, you know, and, and, you know, even talking about Texas, you know, we're in the panhandle of Texas, probably the most conservative county in Texas. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've got a rural community of school district and they're putting litter boxes in the bathrooms yeah. uh, for the Furbies or furries or whatever that is. They're actually doing that. They're actually doing that. Yeah. And uh, and so it's everywhere. I mean, this this battle is everywhere. I've got executives that are being forced to put their pronouns in their signature block. Yeah. And they need to know how do I respond to this yeah. as a as a Christian and as yeah. a as somebody, a parent that's trying to raise a family. How do I address those issues? Mm -hmm. And it's critical that as a as a church, we begin to address those. And sure. I mean, you know this, uh, and Pastor, I know you know this. As we start addressing these things, we're going to offend people and they're yeah. going to leave. But we've seen the opposite side of that which is as we righteously and in love address these issues and equip people, we're growing. I mean, it people actually causes growth. Yeah. That's people right. They need, they need help. Yeah. 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 I, I think what's really important, and I want to echo what both of you are saying and why I really believe that this podcast and the information and experience that we share here can be important for leaders is because there's two kinds of leaders. There's peacetime leaders and wartime leaders. That's right. You lead in peacetime and status quo is fine. Your, your job is to just manage, keep everybody happy, keep everything happy. But a wartime leader is different. Mm -hmm. Winston Churchill was a wartime leader right. and he had a different kind of mentality. And if you do not know it right now, we find ourselves in a wartime scenario. Yeah. And it's so important that we are fully aware of that and that every leader, every pastor embraces that. Yeah. Because if you choose accommodation, if you choose, well, I just want to be at peace with everybody, there's a difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. Yep. Mm -hmm. A peacekeeper will do it, whatever it takes to keep people happy. Uh, you'll avoid conflict. Uh, but a peacemaker is willing to go to battle That's in order right. to have long-term peace for That's their right. kids and for their grandkids and future generations. Mm -hmm. And some of the battles, I know you guys feel this way, that some of the battles we're fighting now. I'm not fighting for me. I'm oh, fighting right. for future generations. And every pastor in America needs to be willing and be courageous to engage in those battles, mm -hmm. not just for us today, but for future generations, should the Lord tarry. And, and, and if I could, you mind if I share something Absolutely. there? So, you know, you just struck a memory of when I really felt the Lord shift in me the need to become a wartime pastor. And it was, you know, about four or five years ago, and it was when I first heard about the Black Robe Regiment, mm. uh, you know, and I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with that, but it's the, you know, King George at the, yep. at the time of the American Revolution, 
King George began to complain about these men in black robes that were stirring everybody up. And it was a lot of the pastors, you know, yeah. who would wear the, the yeah. clerical cloaks that would get up and preach about freedom and direction and all of those things. That's a warring culture. That's, that, right. that's, a, that's, that's an right. aggressive Matthew 16, storm yeah. the gates yeah. culture. And when I, when I heard about them, I just realized, no, that's, that's what we're doing today. We're fighting for our culture and we're equipping our people to yep. be able to survive in this culture. And Amen. it doesn't mean being angry. No, it doesn't mean yelling and things like that. It means being vigilant mm -hmm. and being proactive. Uh, we, I'm on uh, Daystar a lot with Joni Lamb on Table Talk. She talks about every issue, <clears throat> homosexuality, transsexuality, uh, every single thing you can mm -hmm. possibly imagine she deals with. And, and the thing I learned from Joni is you can talk about anything as long as you have compassion. Mm -hmm. That's true. If you're, if you're yeah. talking about gays or trans or something like that, and you're coming across in a hateful way. See, I believe the way I believe because I love them. Yeah. Right. If if I were a confused 13-year-old that thought I was a boy or thought I was a girl or something like that, and then I got my breast mutilated like this little Chloe, yeah. mm -hmm. Chloe did, mm -hmm. got a, and then decided she was a girl, now she can't go back, is that for the sake of those kids, for the sake of those confused people, you can't change your sex, Yeah. But but they're confused. So I say for compassion's sake, we have to say something, that's not, right. not because we're angry, not because we're mad. Now I'm mad at the devil. That's right. There's only you know, the Bible says Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. What he had in mind, and in our communities, we ought to destroy the works of the devil because the devil is the one that is torturing people, mm -hmm. that, that is causing. What's well, the spiritual battle we're engaged in? That's it's right. not with flesh and blood. That's, that's right. right. And even though we're not called to be angry at people, we're called to be sober. And we're also called to recognize that we are in a spiritual battle. It's not a battle against flesh and blood, but actually they're not the enemy, they're the captives. Mm -hmm. And if we don't do our job well, they remain captives for eternity. They're, right. you know, they're gonna be separated from God for all eternity. Right. Hell is a sobering reality. That's right. Well, the Jimmy Witcher, Lee Cummings, uh, my dear friends, they're gonna be back with us again next month for this podcast. We're gonna be talking about fear. Uh, dealing with fear. This is something in ministry that I had to deal with every single day for many years and over overcame it. And this is one of the major ways the enemy comes against leaders and comes against senior pastors is, and really people in any level is fear. We're going to be talking about that. Let me say a couple of things. Builtforwar.com. You can go there. You can subscribe for $15 a month. And you'll see the full uh, podcasts that come out, uh, the, the entire podcast. And also we have articles that come out every week, uh, my leadership teaching and these men also. Uh, but go there. Also, we have an XL leadership forum coming up here at our XO Marriage Center, XO uh, October 10th, 11th, and 12th in South Lake, Texas. And for more information, go to xlleadershipforum.com. Now, we have a very small group coming in that day, less than 100 people we're cutting it off. So this is going to be very intimate. It's also going to be very interactive. We're going to be teaching. It'll be myself, Pastor Jimmy Witcher, and John Chastain. Lee's out of town. He was invited, but he he's too busy. For, he's too important for us. But Lee, Lee will be at the, at the next one after that. But we're going to have these leadership forums uh, on a regular basis. We would love to have you join us. Now, we're, we're going to fill up real quick. So if you're interested in being a part of the XL Leadership Forum, I would love to see you there. So go to XL Leadership Forum. Dot com. Thanks for joining us today for Built for War podcast. We'll see you next time. God bless you.